Welcome to the Trigger Warning Talk podcast where we discuss traumas. These traumas may be triggering. And so if you're triggered, there are a number of resources that we will have in the audio as well as the video portion of this podcast that will be listed below. Pardon for me and tongue-tied, but I'm just so excited to talk to my friend, Joy Nettie. We're just going to call her Coach Joy, and we're going to have a great conversation. Joy is a trauma coach serving in sexual abuse and adult trauma. She has served as a CMA over 15 years in the medical field, and now has stepped away to help others with trauma recovery. Her hidden trauma has inspired her to want to help heal others. Coach Joy grew up in Brooklyn, New York, experienced being ripped from the arms of her mom, a father in prison and raised by the system until her grandmother took her in. From her personal life experiences as a child, she has survived sexual abuse, physical abuse, and memory loss from trauma. Living in a home where alcohol and drugs surrounded her, having multiple sex abusers, and not having a voice to tell. Shutting down to the point of no longer speaking. Crying out every night for a mother and a father that was not there. Not looking for, not looking for sympathy, nor ever taking anything away from her family that took her in. Knowing they did their best that they could. She has had many great times in her life, and this is just the untold story. A hidden voice finally free, a heart filled with love and compassion for all humanity, which is what I always talk about, Coach Joy. <laughs> Got to get back to our humanity. Yes. Coach Joy is a survivor, and she mm -hmm. is here to stay. She has survived trauma, and she says surviving trauma is the first step. Forgiveness comes to sitting. Free. Coach Joy found through her trauma she can have a voice to help others survive as well. And she talks about how coaching can transcend trauma and help you walk fully and unapologetic, unapologetic, unapologetically through your truth. Coach Joy Nettie, welcome to the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I am doing very well. Thank you. Um, and I'm so excited to be a guest here on your, on your platform. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And again, we're going to jump right into it. Again, we're going to have some heavy topics. We don't do the iceberg conversations. We don't talk about the 10% that you can see. We flip that iceberg upside down. And we deep dive. I got snorkel gear. I got scuba gear. You got a choice of what you want to use because we're going to deep dive into the shit that happens to us, unfortunately, sometimes. This is your story. This is about you. We're going to just go ahead and start. The mic is yours, Queen. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so I just want to kind of go back into my childhood there uh, and just kind of give a little bit of background about me and how I discovered this is kind of the field that I would love to be in and, and the things that I'm, I'm doing that I love to help others survive trauma. Um, so uh, like my bio said, I was born and raised in Brooklyn and um, I was born into a home where my parents, they were um, products of drug ab abuse and um, 
being in the streets and, you know, I was born in the eighties. So we, we know how that time went really in Brooklyn, New York. Um, but they actually were very big into that. And I kind of fell through the system cracks, um, as a lot of children do when they experience growing up in homes where your parents are on drugs or they have alcohol issues or whatever the substance abuse is. Um, and uh, before I moved in with my grandmother that took good care of me, um, you know, I experienced some trauma there where that's where my memory loss uh, kind of comes in because I don't really remember too much of that. Um, but in the home that I grew up in, which I was very thankful and still am very thankful for being taken in by my family, I did experience sexual trauma abuse. And I lived in the home where my abuser lived there as well um, as a close family friend. So for me, I was very afraid to tell, um, to, to say anything, to let my family know. I experienced living with fear. Um, you know, I also dealt with a lot of physical abuse in my home and things like that. So I experienced a lot of trauma. And of course, when we don't have these things taken care of and we're not able to seek some type of help to start healing, uh, it just follows us. It follows us within into our adult lives. It follows us into relationships, into um, your own families that you create as an adult. And those things really take a hold of you um, if you don't have the correct nurturing for it. And that's where I kind of found myself. I found myself married with a family and did not even know who I was. Uh, so I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of work to do for myself. And, you know, when you hit rock bottom, I still say, that's kind of when you, you either have to make a decision. Do, do you stay there or do you pick yourself up and, and figure out how to heal? And that's exactly what I did. Um, fortunately, I have a background in medical assistant work where I worked with doctors for over 15 years. So I was very aware of what was there for me. I just always thought to myself, um, you know, I, I don't need this. This is not for me. I don't, I don't need any type of therapy or, or help or anything like that. I can deal with it myself. Um, you know, that sense of, of I don't matter is what we kind of cling to, um, being used to abuse and trauma. That's, that's kind of what we usually do. We usually push ourselves to the back and focus on everything else. And that's exactly the, the cycle I was living until I hit the state of depression and severe anxiety and things like that. Um, and I had to go through a lot of, uh, therapy myself and figure out what exactly what was going on with me. And as I started my healing journey, that's how I became aware that the more I speak about this, the more I share my story, the more I talk to people and let it out, the better I felt. And for me, that was very healing. And it still is very healing for me. Um, as I am still a work in progress, I'm still growing every day and learning every day. And um, I think that's very important to never stop our growth, 
to keep learning as much as we can. But on that journey, I want to share. I want to share whatever I can to help someone else overcome what they've uh, went through. And I've come to find out that there's so many people living with sexu- sexual abuse and trauma that it's 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 just it's it's very sad um, that we have these problems going on and people have to go through them by themselves. Um, so just to be clear, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. I am a coach. And when I coach, um, I tend to coach women that are 18 and, uh, and older. I do recommend therapy and I do recommend medical treatment if you need it. And if you feel like you need it, um, because that's something that I cannot do. So then I will definitely let you know, you need to reach out to your doctor and discuss these things. Um, but as far as for me, I love to give women a platform that they can feel like they have, they have a peer. They have someone where they can talk to and not feel judged. Someone where we can share stories, we can feel comfortable, learn techniques that I've learned to help heal myself uh, and things like that. So that's just a big uh, summary there of kind of how I, I started, where I started off and where I'm at now. You said something to me that gave me the title of this podcast for this particular episode for your interview. You said, but we're still here. And I remember, and you said this in our interview, so we're going to get to that a little bit down the line. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, I was like, I got to write that down. That's going to be the show title. I want you to dive into that in probably another 30 minutes or so. Let's move forward and talk about your role to therapy. Okay, yes. Um, and, and before you do that, what from what age to what age did you experience these traumas? So for, for me, it started very young in my childhood in my home. So I probably maybe was around maybe five or six years old uh, okay. when this started up into the age of maybe 13, uh, 12, 13, when I found that voice to say, no, don't touch me, leave me alone and get away from those situations. Um, but uh, like I stated before, it was never something that I expressed at home. I always kept it a secret. I kept it a secret for many years up into my adult life. Um, I kept this a secret and uh, it was it's, you know, very, very new and shocking to my family even still that I experienced these things. Um, but a lot can go on in a home where there's a lot going on. <laughs> um, you know, I was around alcoholism, drug abuse, things like that. So, you know, there's a lot of open opportunity there. A lot of people might say, well, how can, how could you experience this? And nobody in your family knows, you know, it's, it's very possible. And also when you live in a state of fear, like I did, it's, you find a way to hide it. You find a way to keep it a secret. Um, so, you know, especially as a child, you don't really understand what's going on. You might know something is wrong, but you don't really understand, uh, what is going on. So, um, You know, it took me, like I said, up until I'm going to say I was in my uh, 
you know, I, I always kind of reached out to um, groups and, and supportive groups and things like that throughout high school, um, but I never seeked help for my issue. I had issues with learning. I did not learn very well. I had issues with um, not being able to focus and not having an interest in life, not really, um, you know, always dealing with anxiety and, and living in a state of fear. So when I would go get help for those particular things, I still never freed what was going on with me inside. What, what, what was I really hiding, you know? And I never felt that I could let it go and talk to someone about it. I always felt like it was something that I should maybe be ashamed of, you know, because when we grow up in um, the communities that, that I've grown up in, trauma and sex abuse and things like that, it is not really spoken of. Um, and I grew up with a very strict grandmother and family where it was kind of like, you know, that, that old saying where it's like, what goes on in this house stays in this house. And, uh, you know, you don't go tell your business to people and, and things like that. And, you know, so, you know, as a child, you, you really don't know what that means, but you know, you better not go running your mouth telling your business, you know? Um, so, and that's exactly what I did. I kept everything to myself and I found myself in a really big, deep depression. Um, and didn't know why. And that was definitely the route to me getting to therapy, getting myself to a therapist, getting me into finding help. Um, you know, I, I hit a point one day where I found that I couldn't get up out of my bed without crying and not knowing why. And, you know, I just lived in kind of like a um, robot mode phase where I just, I was going to work. I was coming home. I was cooking dinner, I was taking care of my son, going to work, coming home, taking care of my son, cooking dinner, doing those same things over and over and over, just living, just, just living, not really thriving. Um, and, and I knew something was wrong, but the, the more I felt like I could ignore it, the more I did it. And my body hit a wall and said, no more. Um, you better take care of us right now or that's it. Um, so. Shut down. And we do. Yeah. We remind you. We do uncensored conversations. So say what it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. no, definitely. You know, it was, it was, it was a, um, a rough challenge for me, you know, and uh, I was in a marriage that I wasn't happy with and, I still wanted to try to push myself through that. And that just goes back to um, experiencing the trauma and accepting whatever is happening to you that you know you're not happy with, just still accepting it. And that's what I had to find out. And I definitely had to get myself into therapy. Uh, I knew, I said, I have a medical background and I know that what I'm going through right now is not healthy and I need to get myself there. And um, I can remember one of the, the main things my therapist said to me when I first started. She said to me, why did it take you so long to get here? You know, like it, you seem like you, you know a lot about this and, you, you know, you work in a medical field and you know what you kind of really need it. But why is it so hard for you to get here? I said to her, you know, I really don't know. I said, I've even contemplated about canceling this appointment right now and not coming, <laughs> you know, I, I, I went back and forth with it a thousand times. And I said to her, one of the things that I was feeling was 
you know, there's so much more going on in the world right now and so many other people that is going through so much way more than me. I, I really don't want to waste my time complaining and I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to feel like what I'm complaining about. I don't think it's major, you know. And she looked at me and she said, well, why do you feel like you don't matter? And, and, I, and I sat there and I thought about it and I, I said to myself, my goodness, I've never said this to myself. You know, I, I've always kind of pushed myself off to the background and, and never taken care of me. Um, and that was one of the biggest things that opened my eyes and that I stress now when, when I spread my word, I make sure I tell everyone to know that you matter in any situation it is, you matter and it doesn't matter who you upset. Um, um, you know, you have to stand in your truth and be strong and know that you matter no matter what. Um, so whatever doesn't please you or whatever is not on your heart, you get away from it and put yourself in the right situations that you feel good in. And that's kind of how my journey started with therapy. What age did you initially begin seeking therapy? Uh, I'm going to say maybe maybe 30 around there, maybe oh. around 30. Um, that's when I, I started getting myself in there. And, um, and, and that was a journey in itself also, because like I said, I would go and then I would cancel and schedule and maybe not go back for a month or two and then go back. And, you know, it kind of was like a, a battle with myself. You know, I had to just tell myself, all right, give into this and let it be and fix it. And you can't care about who it might hurt during your process, uh, because that that's another thing that we kind of carry with us is um, guilt. That's not ours. It doesn't belong to us, but we still carry it. You know, we feel guilty about if I tell my story and I tell my truth, this might hurt someone else, you know, and that's OK. You have to be able to do it. You have to be able to release it and, and tell your truth, stand in it and no matter what. You know, I have a thing about guilt that I always tell. I don't go on guilt trips. The only trips I go on are out of town. Yeah. <laughs> so for the listening yeah. audience, I'm holding up my passport here. Mm -hmm. The only trips I go on are out of town or out of the country. I don't right. go on guilt trips. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's very <laughs> And I'm so glad that you said that. I'm so thankful that you said that because that can be a whole nother conversation yes. <laughs> in and of itself. You and I will probably do a room on Clubhouse or another podcast just on the guilt stuff by itself. Yes. So we're going to move on. Let's do it. Again, another conversation. <laughs> what I want to do is I want to jump to the forms of therapy that you have done that worked for you. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, about that. I'm sorry. Before you do that, I just want to remind everybody, this is the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. Mm -hmm. We talk about things under the umbrella of mental health crisis. Mental health crisis is the world's oldest continuous pandemic that's been around since the beginning of mankind. It ain't going nowhere. There are three barriers, in my opinion, that keep us from seeking help. The stigmas, the taboos, and the stereotypes that are associated with that. 
everybody wanted to jump in the open water until the movie Jaws came out because that negative seed got planted and people were like, uh-uh, nope. I believe the same thing has happened when it comes to mental health therapy because I always ask people, ask somebody this as a great icebreaker question when you meet them. What's the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the words mental health therapy? Most people are going to say crazy or lunatic or insane. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said the word crazy as their answer, my bank account would look like Warren Buffett or Elon Musk. <laughs> yes. So from the Trigger One and Talk podcast, we talk about things that are uncomfortable that people don't like to talk about. We cover domestic violence, sexually based offenses, human and sex trafficking, and finally missing persons. The missing person aspect, we cover runaways, we cover kidnappings, and we cover child abductions. The missing person component that we talk about is 99% of those stories that we do are about a black or brown man, woman, or child because of the lack of media attention that is given to our non-black and brown folks. So there's going to be a bunch of resources that are listed in the audio and the video portion of this podcast as it is with every podcast that we do. If you're triggered, call 911 right now because LP's not showing up. Coach Joy's not showing up. However, we have the suicide, the trafficking, the substance abuse. We have a bevy of resources that will be listed in the description as far as resources. We're going to jump to the next part. Tell, talk about your different forms of therapy and how that's worked for you. Uh, for me, <clears throat> excuse me, my, um, I'm going to say I, I definitely started with a licensed therapist. I, I started out with that. I started out going to the doctors um, because my body was reacting in ways that I just wasn't familiar with. Um, so for one example, when I say I had severe anxiety, I really had severe anxiety to where the point of I would have body pains and um, chest pain and, and, you know, my arms would hurt, my chest would hurt. I would feel like, okay, I must be having a stroke or something, you know, then my, my medical side kicks in. It's like, okay, something's wrong with my heart. I need to get to the hospital, doctor. I would go to the doctor and they would tell me, you know, they do all these tests and they do all of these things and they're telling me, no, it's nothing wrong with your heart. You know, we came... We did all your blood work. We, everything came back normal and fine. And they would ask me, are you really stressed? Are you under some type of uh, stress or anxiety? And I would say, no, you know, <laughs> I don't think so. You know, and I'd say, I don't know what that even feels like, you know. And, um, and that's when I had to come to realize that, okay, something is really wrong. They want to put me on medication. They want to give me Xanax. They want to, and, and I'm thinking Xanax. Oh my gosh. You know, like I'm thinking I, I've heard of so many people being like addicted to this and, and this can be really bad. And, and I'm thinking, do I really, really need this? You know? Um, so I knew there, I said, this is serious. I really need to get some attention and I really need to get some help. So that's the first thing I did. I went to the medical, um, doctors and things like that. As my journey went on and my journey went further, I started to dig deeper 
and I started to dig into my own personal spirituality. Uh, you know how they speak of mind, body, and soul. Um, and when we start to take care of ourselves and we start to heal ourselves, we need to heal all of us. And when I made the decision that that's what I wanted to do, I also wanted to dig into my spirituality and what I, my beliefs were and things like that. So that's when I um, first stumbled upon uh, like Deepak Chopra uh, and things like that. And, and that's when I learned, <clears throat> excuse me, that's when I learned meditation and learning things that made me feel great. So for me personally, meditating is very big for me. Spending time with myself going for long walks outside in nature. I love nature. I'm a nature girl. I love to be in the, the, the trees and walk in the grass. And those are the type of things that relax me. I have a clear mind. I'm able to think and I'm able to breathe. Um, you know, a, a lot of times we, we live so tense. We live in that tense world where we're just, you know, uh, we're very tensed up and we don't know how to relax and, and relax your mind. I, I used to tell people my mind goes 10,000 different ways all at once. Um, you know, and, and it was true. It, it was, I had no idea that, you know, you can actually be in a calm space. So for me, for people that are okay with meditation and things like that, I recommend it because I think it's, it's really, really good to uh, find yourself, but become at peace. You start to understand yourself more and you start to be able to get those negative things out of your life that don't serve you. And that was a big, big thing for me. So I, I don't have uh, many, many steps to my healing. I just had to find what really worked for me. And, and like I said, sometimes... Uh, you can be on a spiritual quest and you might not like meditation. That might not, that might not work for you. It might be other things, going to church or doing something else or, you know, um, having a prayer group or something like that. But for me personally, meditation, having supporters, like we just were talking about clubhouse. I have big, big support team on clubhouse. Um, and it, it's just, it's amazing when you find your peers, that's why a part of my coaching is very important to express that I am a peer uh, because a lot of people don't feel comfortable with going to a therapist telling them this happened to me. Uh, you know, they might feel judged or they might feel like they're, they're being, you know, looked upon as something's wrong with you now because this happened to you, you know. Uh, so sometimes people want to share a safe space. And, and I know that really helped me when I was able to find peers and a community of people that I felt like, okay, now I can tell all of my story. Now I can, I can really open up and tell everything. And, and when you mentioned those trigger points, gosh, that's so important because triggers are, you know, we have to find our triggers. We have to find out what really triggers us what sends us into depression, what sends us into anxiety, what sends us into any type of disorder, eating disorder. Uh, you know, mental health is very big. And that's another part of, of healing. Uh, people don't think that traumas and things that we go through in life affects your mental. And it really does. Um, 
and it's a, a, a big miss thing that, um, you know, I think I've heard maybe years ago, I think it was, uh, oh gosh, I don't want to say the wrong person, but I think it was Russell Simmons. And, and he was trying to push for like meditation and things like that to be a part of school. Um, and I think that's a, a big thing. I think that's huge. I think mental health should be taught from childhood on up. Uh, because it's something that affects us in every way if we don't have it taken care of. Um, and, and it's, it's sad when you can let something like that affect your whole entire life and everything that you are, but you don't know. It's, it's kind of that thing of where, you know, what you don't know, you just don't know. And if no one's ever talked to you or taught you about it, you know, how do you know? Sometimes it's, it's when you hit that rock bottom and it's when you, you crash and you burn. And then, you know, some people are fortunate to be able to pick themselves up from it, but then some people are not, um, you know, and that's when they kind of go into other things, drug abuse and um, sex abuse and alcohol or whatever it may be, you know, you use other things to kind of cope. But um, I'm so happy that I was able to and thankful to find meditation and I go on my long walks and my, and um, I have my talks with family and friends, whoever wants to listen, whoever's genuine enough to sit down and hold your hand and hold your heart through your story. Let it be, uh, you know, right. everybody needs someone to lean on at times. And, and, and it's, it's true. You know, you can't, you can't fight these battles by yourself. I say it all the time. Did a Google search a couple of months ago. Currently, there are 7.8 billion with the B as in boy people on the planet. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I grew up and was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and I live in Charlotte now. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, you know, you might move from a different city or state, country, continent, but nobody's going anywhere. We live on this big blue mark. It's That's 25,000 right. miles since we're coming. <laughs> To feel the isolation or feel like you have nobody there that can help you deal with whatever issue you're dealing with, bad or ugly, that's a problem. And that's something, again, that we're not instilling in our little ones that, hey, help is available. Mm -hmm. It does not always mean that it's in the form of a pill. It's in the form of laying on somebody's couch. You don't have to be thinking, oh man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be put in a straitjacket. I'm yeah. gonna be put in a room. I'm gonna, somebody's gonna give me a lobotomy and all this other shit. You know, right. like those That's things right. used to happen. And when I'm talking about mental health issues and crisis and therapy, I tell people every human being fits in one of three categories when it comes to trauma. You've either seen it, you've either either you've given it or you received it. So seen it. You've either seen somebody be traumatized or multiple people being traumatized. We all fit in that category. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You've either experienced it in terms of somebody traumatized you or multiple people traumatized you. And lastly, you've either traumatized a person or people. You got to figure out what other categories have you falling into in terms of the other two, the given and or the receiving. Because everybody's experiencing. So for me, talking to talking to another medical person, another clinician like yourself, 
I want you to talk about how you encourage clients to seek there. Okay. Yes. Um, but before I go into that, I just want to say something really quick about what you were just saying um, and how we, we all touch that and experience it in some type of way. And I, I believe that is very true. Uh, and and it's, it's something that we all should share and spread. Um, and that leads me to say, check on your friends, check on your family members, talk about it, ask questions. Are you okay? Um, you know, do you need any help? You want to talk about anything? You know, sometimes that's all a person needs is for someone to step up and say something where they feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, I am going through something. I am, I am feeling this type of way, or I, I am experiencing a little depression, or I feel down and I don't even know what it is, you know, or I feel angry and I'm not sure why. Sometimes that's all we need. You know, a lot of people that, uh, I know grew up in my community and things like that, especially being from New York, <laughs> they say New Yorkers are mean. Um, I experienced that when I moved down to Charlotte, they're like, Oh, you're a New Yorker, huh? <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we sense that we tend to have that, that wall up, you know, and that, well, that's not my business or, you know, I don't, that's not my problem. That's whatever he's going through, he's going through or whatever she's experiencing, she's experiencing, you know, so I think we need to break that. We need to reach out to each other and, and see if somebody else needs help or, and if you can't help them say, you know what, let's find the help. Uh, let me help you find help. Um, because that's, that's really, that's what the community is about. And, and, you know, like you said, we're, we're all here together. Uh, we're all human. Anything can happen to any one of us here. Nobody is greater or bigger than anyone else that's here. And we are all able to go through some type of trauma or something in our lives or discover it or, like you said, see it or anything. So, you know, sometimes it's it's really big to just kind of ask someone, do you need help? Is it something going on? Are you okay? You know, it's it's the simple things that can really help someone. Um, so I just kind of wanted to, to mention that there. Thank you so much for adding on to that. You encourage clients to seek therapy. Can you spend a few minutes talking about the ways that you do that? Yes, absolutely. Um, to not get too personal because I, I like to share, sure. I don't like to share personal business, but um, you know, if I, if I have a client and they're telling me, you know, sometimes I feel like, I just want to kill myself. Uh, or sometimes I feel like I just want to kill someone else or I want to hurt somebody else or, you know, or, or anything. I just, I don't want to wake up. I, I, you know, anything suicidal, anything where it's a deep, deep depression, um, where it's something that I know, listen, you kind of need a little bit more medical attention then I say it. I don't hold it back. Um, I don't. I don't mind losing a client to better them, because that's what it's all about. That's what I'm here for: is to make someone else heal. Not make. I'm sorry. To make someone else feel like they are on their healing journey. And whatever advice it is that I have in me that I can give, I'm going to do that. Um, because, like I said, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. And sometimes people reach out because they feel more comfortable with the sense of a coach um, and not being 
hit with diagnosis or, oh, you have this, you have bipolarism, you have this, you have schizophrenia, you have, you know, some, sometimes people get really, really upset with these labels that they're given and they kind of want to just reach out to someone that they can talk to. And, um, and I understand that, but when it gets to a point where it's something where it's something that I cannot, uh, help you with, then I recommend that you go to a higher, a higher level of seeking help and, and, you know, not in a, in a way where it's just like, oh, no, no help. I, no hope for you here. No, it's, I have more hope for you and I want you to heal to your highest ability. And, and that's, that's what it's really about. If I can help anyone, that's what I want to do. So I'm not going to continue to coach someone and, and speak to someone and things like that. If I know you know what? You need a little bit more. And sometimes people do need medication and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes you have to find what works for you and what will help you. And um, what I've learned about things like that in the medical field is that just because you need something in that moment does not mean that you're going to need it for the rest of your life or you're going to need it, you know, for 10 more years or something like that. But sometimes you get to a point in your life where it's something too overwhelming and you just need a little help, um, you know, but sometimes uh, doctors, you know, you have to make sure you find the best fit for you as well, because sometimes doctors are just so medical that they don't express that to you. And that's why when, when I have a client, someone that I'm working with, I'll make sure I say that, listen, if you need some medication, you reach out to your doctor and you let them know, you know, and let them know how you're feeling and things like that. But don't feel like you have to now be stuck with something like that your whole life. You can you can make sure that you take the right steps to healing. And maybe one day you can say, you know what, I don't need this anymore. Um, you know, so I, I do the best I can at encouraging people to seek extra help if they need it, especially if I feel in my heart um, no, this is something that I can't touch. That's a big reason why I don't um, deal with ages under 18 years old. I feel like children and uh, minors should have their parents involved. Parents should know what's going on. And also, or or guardians, who whoever you may live with, uh, that should be involved. And also medical attention should be seeked. Um, and... You know, those are some things that I can't help with. So that's exactly why I kind of stay away from it. Um, you know, I can give my opinion and things like that, but I'm not a doctor. So um, I definitely encourage to go that extra step if, if I feel they need it. Now, uh, when we did our pre-interview, and I want you to tell me the certifications that you have as a mm -hmm. trauma coach it's real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, well, and you, say you, only, you say you only see women also, correct? 18 and over. Yes. Yes. 18 okay. and over. Um, and right now the, I'm just business, just basically business certified with like, just with being able to start my business and things like that. Um, but I did not go to like a, um, license class or anything like that, or sort of certification. I kind of just coach off of my own personal experience, being able to share that and share how I've overcome my trauma and what worked for me. And also giving women 
a platform to feel like they are able to talk with a peer. Um, you know what? She's experienced this. She's experienced uh, sexual trauma. And I feel really comfortable talking to her about that. That I'm okay with. Um, and whatever I learn, I like to share. So as I'm still healing and I'm still, that's why I say I'm still healing and, and I'm still learning because that's something that I want to continue to do. I never want to stop my journey on learning. So the more I learn, I share. Um, and, you know, I meet a lot of people, a lot of women, even men reach out to me sometimes, you know, and I, I tell them, you know, um, hey, let me send you over here. I know a really good guy that, that, that he's, he's really great. He's a really great coach or therapist and he specializes in this, but I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, deal with men. I kind of just stay in my field of dealing with women. I like to stay with what I'm familiar with. Uh, and like I said, if it's something I can't, uh, feel like I can't touch, then I just, I refer out. Um, but okay. yeah. This is the Trigger Warning Talk Podcast, sponsored by Pinson Pending Consulting Solutions, LLC. We have a very special guest, Coach Joy in the house, talking Thanks. about her traumas and how she helps others that are experiencing trauma. Coach Joy. Yes. Will you break down the, the word robotic? I'm battling allergies. <laughs> no. Will you break down the words robot face that you told me in our pre-interview. Can you talk about that? Uh, yes. It's, it's, it's basically um, like a revolving door where you're just kind of going in that same, th that same pattern over and over and over every day. You kind of turn yourself into a robot. You're not, you're not really, living your life. You're just doing what is expected in your head, what, what you think is expected of you. And you're staying inside that box and, and not, you know, for me, it was, like I said, just going to work, coming home, cooking dinner, taking care of my son, being with my husband, going, going back to work, <laughs> uh, coming home, doing the same thing over and over and over repeatedly and not paying any attention to myself, not growing in any type of way, um, spiritually, mentally, physically, in any type of way, just, just kind of mainly focusing on um, that same pattern every day, that robot life, just not being a human being. You know, us being human here uh, is, is experiencing more than just a job, um, having a family, uh, you know, we're here, in my opinion, we're here to learn. And, um, I look at this, this planet as a, a big school and when we don't express, um, you know, learning and growing, I think that's just being in a robot phase. Um, yeah. you know, I feel like a lot of things that we experience in life, we're meant to learn from it and, and, dig deep and find the lesson with inside of it. And that's why I take my trauma and I use it for the good. Um, you know, some people say hurt people, hurt people, um, you know, and, and I like to say, well, hurt people can heal people as well because 
it, it, it's up to you to make that decision on what you want to do with your experiences. You can learn from them or you can let them destroy you. And I, it's my hope that people don't let it destroy them, that people can learn out of their pain and take that pain and learn something new um, and, and learn how to help someone else that is hurting and things like that. Um, so that robot phase is, 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 uh, very common. It's a, yeah. And it happens <laughs> yes. all the time. Yes. It's like you get into mm-hmm. rigmarole. It's like, you're just on autopilot. Right. That's exactly it. All the time until you say, you know what? It stops today. Yeah. I want to jump into another part of our interview, our pre-interview. You talked about a healing summit. Can you expound on that? Because we were talking about paying clients. Did you say a healing summit? Healing summit. Oh, so yes, the healing summit is actually um, something that I experienced with a group of ladies um, actually, and um, some men as well, where we kind of took our stories, shared our stories, our personal traumas, uh, very detailed. Um, and once we got through that, we explained how we healed and how we're still healing and things like that. So that's kind of what the healing summit was was on. Um, so, I mean, it, it was great. It was, I mean, it was so healing for me, um, and everyone else that was there to just be able to be in the same space with people that have experienced the same type of trauma that you have, uh, because it was a sexual abuse trauma healing summit and to be able to cry with other people and, and laugh and, and enjoy each other's space and company and feel the love and support from others. I think that is so important. It was such an uh, amazing experience. Uh, I can't wait to do another one. Um, but in person or virtual, it was virtual. Yes, it was virtual. Um, and I mean, it was, it was beautiful. It was, two days and it was about, I believe, four to five hours each day. Um, And it it was great. I mean, to have also um, to have men come and explain their trauma and what they experienced, sexual abuse and, and things like that. You know, that's that's very rare for for men to step up and say, you know what? this happened to me and in full detail and, and, and explain how it affected their lives and and what they had to do to, to get themselves together and, and and move on with life and things like that to, to want to help others with your story, I think is so powerful. Um, And that's, that's another big part of, of why I do what I do. You know, a lot of people might ask me, are you really okay with telling all of your business and, (laughs) and things like that? And I go, Yes, I am. It's, it's not, it's no longer a secret for me. Um, you know, it's been a secret most of my life, but now I'm, I'm healing every day and healing others with it. So I am, I'm very thankful for the journey that, that I've had to go through and I'm, I'm okay with it. And once you become okay with yourself, you start to 
accept and and forgive. Forgiveness is is very big. I teach forgiveness all the time to my clients. People say, "How can you forgive someone that has done things to you?" And you know, and uh, because once you learn that the forgiveness is not for them, that it's for you, then you kind of understand that. Okay, yes, this is this is to set me free. You know, this is to set me take me away from all of that. Uh, animosity and, and anger I feel for the person that did this to me because ultimately you're still holding that in you and it's just eating away at you um, and, and you have to free that you have to you know I'm not saying oh yes I want you to be best friends with your abuser no <laughs> I'm not saying that but you know um, love is is the biggest healer and when you have hate in your heart and hate on your on your soul and your spirit, you, you can't heal that way. Um, so I think it's very important. And those healing summits are amazing. So whenever we have another one, I'll, I'll let you know about it so you can spread the word Absolutely. also. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. I'm telling you, this is why we do pre-interviews, because I like getting some of this information out there. And that's how I formulate the questions. I want you to talk about one thing that we always have issues with when I say we, some of my partners. Okay. <laughs> you call yourself a survivor. Yes. Now, let me tell you something real quick. When I was doing all this pre-production work, formulating this podcast, I was doing a bunch of interviews with different people. I tend to be in groups where it's primarily women. I'm either the only guy or one of a handful of guys, like I said to you before, in a lot of these mental health spaces and places and all this stuff. I'm cool with that. Far be it from your brother LP to be the knuckle dragon, Neanderthal, dinosaur, caveman. So, because I don't want to be any of those, I always seek the knowledge base of my sisters. Now, I was told by Mrs. LP, never call somebody a victim unless they fit into one or two categories. Either you're talking about the crime itself and or that person is dead. However, I interviewed a lady and she referred to herself as victim twice. Back to back in back to back sentences and I was like, hold on time, I'll wait. <sighs> Throwing me off now. Mm -hmm. She explained why she uses that beautifully. And I was like, okay. Most people use Survivor. Mm -hmm. I've interviewed some people that say, ah, I don't like Survivor. And I'm like, what say you? They lay it all out. And I'm like, okay, I like that. What do you, so what were the things that I heard? I've heard Overcomer. I've heard Champion. I've heard triumphant, I've heard victor, and I've heard victorious. So I'm keeping a list of all these things, and it's a dynamic list because I want to keep adding on to it because, again, I want people to be comfortable with whatever they are comfortable being referred to as. You like Survivor. What yes. say you about that? Yes, I do. Um, and I'm very familiar with all of the other terminologies as well. Um, but for me... Survivor was on my heart. Um, you know, when I speak to a lot of people and I look back on my trauma, 
I say to myself, you know what? Yes, I went through a lot of things. I went through sex abuse. I went through physical abuse. I went through not living with my family. I went through my mom and dad being on drugs. I, I went through all of these things, but, but guess what? I'm still here. Um, and to me, I feel like I survived. Um, I'm able now to sit here and share my story and not sit here and hate my life and the things that I've experienced. And um, I'm able to make sure I can speak about these things and be okay with it. Um, to me, I say I'm a survivor because it's not still happening to me. I've survived that. Um, you know, that, that didn't affect me any longer. It doesn't affect me any longer. Um, not, I'm not perished. I didn't perish. I didn't die. Um, I'm still here and I've, I've survived, you know, um, a lot of your abusers don't want to see you survive. They want to see you still suffer. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to give into that. I'm not going to let anyone else convince themselves that they have to give into that. You know, I, I have a, um, not to get too personal, I'm just going to say I, I know someone that has to still deal with their abuser because they're still a part of the family. And um, and that's very hard for them, <clears throat> you know, and, and she can't seem to get past that where if it's a family function or it's a gathering or something like that and that person's there, she doesn't really want to be around. She doesn't understand how other people can still be okay with this person. And she's told her story and things like that. Um, and, and I, I, I kind of tell her, you know, you, you know, you survived that situation and whoever is uncomfortable with your situation and your truth, then let them be. Um, you, you do not need anyone else's validation of what happened to you. You know what happened to you. You know what you survived and what you've overcome. And so be it. And whoever it makes uncomfortable, it makes them uncomfortable. That's it. Um, you know, and, but, you know, that's, that's my personal choice. I don't think there's any right or wrong to, saying, you know, either you're a champion or you're an overcomer or, you know, I don't think there's no right or wrong. I just love to say that I survived. And I don't know if that has a lot to do with me having a medical background. And, um, you know, I've seen so many different things where people uh, commit suicide, people die, people, people, some people can't live with the fact that this is, these things happen to them. Um, it, and, it, and, you know, and that goes right to the mental health um, where, yeah. you know what, I survived depression. I survived anxiety. I survived these things. And now what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with all of this that I've overcome and I've gotten through and, and things like that? I think that's the next step to figure out now, what are you going to do with it? You know, um, you can use it. You can use it to help someone else. And that's what I call my clients. I tell them, we are survivors. We survived. We're not, we're not dead. We're not gone. We're not somewhere, um, you know, in a ditch, thank God, because sometimes things like that happen, you know. Some people don't survive their, their abuse. Some, some people experience 
rape and murder, you know, it's like, thank goodness I'm still here to be able to share my story and help someone else with it. So I, I call myself a survivor. I got a few more questions before we wrap up your portion of the interview. Okay. And again, Coach Joy, I can talk to you all the time and twice on Sunday. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so much information that I like to share. And I was holding on my passport on that last comment that you made because it, it made me think about what you said earlier about the guilt trip stuff. Yeah. <laughs> don't do the guilt trip stuff. Mm. There's a whole story I'm going to tell you offline about somebody. No, I was in a group on Clubhouse mm -hmm. and we were talking about some mental health stuff. I came in, I did my two minute spiel about who I am, the podcast and all this stuff. So you already know LP's a firefighter, paramedic, retired, became a CEO of a company, is a subject matter expert. And now he's created this trigger warning talk podcast discussing these four topics. There you go. I'm going to start telling you some examples of how EMS is directly correlated into the room that I was in. And I'm telling you, some of the feedback I got it was very constructive. It was very respectful. However, one woman was like, if I knew you were going to say words like rape and suicide, I would have probably not either come in the room or I would not probably listen to your podcast. And I was like, well, how does that help anybody? How does that help you or anything? I already gave you the, I already told you what I'm about, what I do. Right. Like you already know, before I even open my mouth about saying the word rape or suicide or anything like that. And again, the title of my podcast is Trigger Warning Talk Podcast. What would you like for me to swap out rape with or suicide with? And she said, well, why couldn't you just say trauma? And I'm like, look, I was trained as a medic to say, for example, if somebody died, I'm not going to come to Jane Doe's family and say, sorry, Mr. or Mrs. Though your son has transitioned into the stars yeah. in another form of energy. No, sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Joe, Jane Doe, your son has died. Here's what we believe happened. Here's the interventions that took place to resuscitate this person, if possible. I have gotten family members involved in sudden cardiac arrest situations where we had to do CPR on their loved one. I'm like, every two minutes, we're going to rotate a person out to do these chest compressions. Anybody that wants to help, come on, because we're going to work this person mm -hmm. as long as we can to see if we can get a return of spontaneous circulation. You want two minutes? Come on. And, and some have actually joined in. Because if I got to call time of death on that patient, that family member that's sitting there, because we're not doing this out of their view. We're working wherever we find them, in the living room, the bathroom, in the alley, in the car, 
whatever. Pull them out, lay them down, and let's go. They're going to know that everything was done and everybody was all hands on. So when I talk about those things, I want people to understand that let's stop misusing the word triggered. Let's stop using it as a crutch and as a shield to have these brutally honest, needed conversations about the shit that's bothering you. Don't put your your shit on me because you don't you're not ready to have the conversation. Say, I'm not ready to have the conversation. You can leave quietly. This is not a shotgun wedding. Nobody's forcing you to be part of the conversation. If you're not ready, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's not on me, though. Mm-hmm. Especially when I forewarned you. If I say we talk about sexually based offenses, domestic violence, human and sex trafficking, and missing person, you don't think that it might be a possibility that the word rape may come up? Right. Sexually based offenses. Any sexual assault, groping to penetration is mm-hmm. still rape. That's right. Right? I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we're going to go to the next topic, unless you want to add to that. Yeah, I would like to say something about that. Um, sure. I, I think that... Uh, how can I gently say this? Um, no. <laughs> I, oh, I, I think that... Conversation. Um, Please say it. Yeah. Nah. No, but nah. I, I mean, I think that's really a big issue with society. Um, mm. You know, to, to say something as far as, well, if I knew you were going to use this word, rape, I would have never came into your show. I think that one, that's something she could have kept to herself and she could have left the room quietly because that is an option. And two, I think when something like that is said, um, it's to influence others in a way that that person is not comfortable yet within themselves with dealing with because that is a big issue in society right now where everyone has to be so worried about what they can say, what they can't say, you know, now how is a rape victim supposed to feel about that? Or I should say rape survivor, whichever, you know, how how are they supposed to feel about that? If, if that's something that was on their heart to talk about that day, now that person feels uncomfortable. Now it feels like, Oh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't be sharing my story about this, that, that, that this happened to me because now people aren't ready to accept that word. So how can they accept my story and then what happened to me? And, and, you know, now how, how can I feel like I fit into society when something like this happened to me? When you have so many people that's willing to throw their own little gestures out that they just, you didn't think before you said that, you know, and, and I think it's very insensitive to someone that has, experience that um you you never know who you can affect with your words and it's an open discussion and like you said you gave your title they you know the the room speaks for itself and it's an open floor and 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 if that person was not comfortable 
with those type of discussions, that's fine as well. But but you can you have the option to just to just leave um, because you never know who that could have turned away in that particular moment with with just that with just someone saying, oh, I'm not comfortable that you said that word, the word rape. Well, why not? Um, it's 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 a real life thing that happens every day. Um, it happens to many children, many women, and it happens to men as well. And that's the problem. People shame things and, and make people feel a certain type of way because something happened to them. And, and that's, a, that's a big, big issue. It really is. It was disheartening to say the least to me. Again, the conversation was very respectful from everybody, including it was two, two women that responded. Mm-hmm. to what I said from that point of view. And I was like, you know, I'm basically trying to hook you all up on game as far as EMS is concerned because we get calls all the time where it may just come out as an unknown EMS and we get there and it's a whole shit show or it's something that we totally didn't expect. I've responded on calls where somebody had an eating disorder issue and I found out that the reason that they called was because they were having dry heaves and they were bleeding from the mouth. So I got to resolve that issue. But in my assessment, I found out why they had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. The woman had been raped. Mm -hmm. During her rape, the guy kept making all these comments about her body and her body parts. But she was a very voluptuous woman. Mm -hmm. After the rape, she said, I'm going to do everything I can do to never be attractive to anybody else that may want to attack me again. She was like, fuck that shit. I'm done with that. She became obese. She didn't like that. So she Mm -hmm. started doing all these fad diets, Jenny Craig's, the Weight Watchers and all this stuff. No disrespect to those organizations. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work. For them yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she's dealing with more than what they could offer. That's right. Yeah. She said, I'm going to do it. Right. I'm going to take a quicker route. And she started becoming bulimic. Mm-hmm. Well, that started having drastic physical effects on her. She got esophageal varices, which are like ulcers in the esophagus. She started yes. getting mouth sore. She started dry heaving, and and this was going on for a while because she was binging and purging so much mm-hmm. that it just became a point where she couldn't even throw up anything anymore. But she kept having the esophageal and gastrointestinal spasms mm-hmm. that was making dry heave to the point where she called EMS. I would have never known that if I hadn't picked up on the clues. You got mouth sores. You got esophageal varices. I thought she was either alcoholic or she had cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, do you have an eating disorder? She was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, blame it? like, yeah. Explain. Because she had a bloody tissue in her hand when I saw it. Oh, okay. Then she went into why she became bulimic. And I was like, that changed the whole interaction with her. Yeah. From my perspective. Absolutely. So 
I'm sharing this story with them. And I'm like, I didn't bring up rape just because I like the word. Yeah. <laughs> right. Today was Friday. You know, like, mm-hmm. why do you think I said that? I don't just, you know, rape this and rape that. And rape, 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 rape. You know, I'm like, like I'm talking about cotton balls. Right. You know, <laughs> I can spend the time sitting at home watching Netflix and picking the lint out of my belly button. I didn't have to come into this room. Mm-hmm. You know, True. I'm trying to enlighten people on how EMS needs to be more aware of triggering conversations, dialogue, mental health issues, because we get called on all kinds of shit all the time. You know how many in-services that I've had in any one of these topics? One. That was in 2019. It was at, I worked for a, a paid fire protection district, as well as an EMS service, a private EMS service. I've had one training in 14 plus years on the, on human and sex trafficking. Wow. One. How many and and that's huge. How yeah. many red flags have, have we as first responders missed mm-hmm. because of lack of training? This is why we're doing these podcasts. This is why I'm having Coach Joy on here so she can help educate. So we can, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, damn it. I'm trying to make the ride smoother. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I speak with passion from a compassionate point of view. That's all. Mm-hmm. My, I got two more questions for you. Okay, yeah. Why do clients prefer coaches versus, versus therapy? Uh, I think it's just their comfortability. Therapist, I should say. Okay, yes. Um, Like I would say, I think it's just their personal comfortability. Um, You know, I get a lot of people that might say, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your story. I was on your website and, and I saw that you experience this yourself. Um, and sometimes a lot of therapists, they just want to, uh, fill you on medication and they'll listen to you, but not really, they're not really able to share that sense of understanding with you. Um, you know, so, and then some people love therapy. Some people love to go to therapy and they love their therapist and things like that, you know? Um, and I, I, like, one of the things that I've learned is that every coach should have a coach. Um, so, you know, I always let people know, listen, I'm here. Even if you have a therapist, you know, that's, that's fine with me. I I don't, either way it goes, if you still want to talk with me and you still want to go through these techniques and things like that with me, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, you know, but I, I get a lot of younger girls that, that kind of reach out to me, you know, over 18 and, and they say, you know, Oh, I I saw, you know, I use social media a lot to advertise and things like I saw your post and, and I I really, really connected with, and, you know, they'll send me a a message in my DM and, or, or on Facebook or something like that, you know, where it's just, sometimes it's easier to connect also. Um, you know, a lot of times you have to wait for an appointment for a therapist and you got to go through your doctor and you got, and then they kind of get deterred, you know, they, they don't want to go through that whole process. They kind of want someone to react pretty fast and in that moment. Um, and I think 
it's just a level of comfortability, whatever level of comfortability that you're at. If you're comfortable with having a coach and you feel like, you know what, this is better for me. Um, I feel safer in this situation and in this, this, uh, space, then that's fine. Um, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes that's kind of what people choose to do. A lot of clients, that's exactly what it is. They just feel a little safer with me. Um, I'm very open. They know I'm not here to judge. I would never, ever judge anyone. I mean, that's, that's my first thing is like, I would never judge someone who am I to judge, you know, who are any of us to judge actually. But, um, I never want someone to feel like they will ever be judged. And, um, it's a safe space that I offer and that I give. And, and I'm very open with, with my story. If you want to ask me questions, I'm okay with that. You want, you want to know what I went through? I'm okay with that. Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm here for. That's what, that's what I love to do. Uh, and a lot of people gravitate, gravitate to that. So sometimes what, what I've even learned in medicine is that, um, doctors tend to not have a great bedside manner. I'm going to say, um, you know, they kind of, they see so many patients that they have to build up that, you know, they, they can't mix emotion and things like that with the, the client and things like that. I'll sit there, I'll cry with my client. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm okay with sharing tears. You know, some, sometimes people want a more personal feeling, a more connected feeling. And, and that's, that's what I'm about. I'm, I'm okay with, with all of that. Um, I, Sorry, I never want uh, anyone to feel um, uncomfortable. So I make sure that the space that I give is always a comfortable feeling. And whatever you don't want to talk about, that's fine. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm okay with it. So um, I think that's kind of the uh, the reason maybe why people do that. And then also, like I said, a lot of times people come from certain communities where therapists and psychiatrists, it's kind of like shamed upon, you know, it's like, oh, and like you said, they'll, that back to that, oh, that person must be crazy because they go see a, th- a therapist or you must be crazy because you, see, you need the psychiatrist or, you know, you got to go to the doctor for that. You must be crazy. You know, some, some people still have that, that sense of, uh, you know, they don't want to be labeled as anything. They just want to be able to share and feel like someone has an air for them. Someone is willing to listen, you know? So um, it, it all depends on what level that person is on and in, in their healing journey and things like that. And that's kind of mainly what gravitates towards me. Is people sometimes just want to feel comfortable with, with sharing and um, knowing that someone is really there to really just listen and not, not judge or give them a prescription. So, which I'm not against prescriptions, um, but, but I don't give them. So, (laughs) so I, I, um, just, I like to stress that. But we're still here. Yes, 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 yes. Why is that slogan important to you? Um, that's very important to me, actually. Uh, it, it all became a part of my personal healing. Um, and the more I did my coaching and the more I looked on my history of my trauma and 
you know, the more people I speak, I speak with, I just found myself saying it more and feeling it more. And it's like, this did not defeat us. It did not kill us off. It didn't defeat us. We are still here. We can still live and thrive. We can still have a life. We can still be happy. We can still have a family. We can still maintain a job. We can still live. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, sometimes people's trauma will get the best of them. And they forget that, you know what? You're still here. Um, you still have a chance to do whatever it is that you want to do. And it, it does not have to defeat you. It does not have to ruin your life. You can live through it. You can heal and you can still thrive. Uh, and you, we can all learn and, and still be happy, uh, you know, and, and still be able to love. Um, so that's that's kind of where that comes from. Um, that's like hand in hand with my survivor. Um, we're, we are still here. We did not go anywhere. And um, and and that's a great thing, you know. Um, so I like to still I like to stress that that's that's my that's my quote. That's my thing. It's but we are still here. And uh, and it did not it did not take our lives. You know, I feel like as long as we still have life, we still have purpose and we are here to fulfill our purpose no matter what happened to us. So let's take our journey and our, our experiences, grow through them, help others heal and thrive at life. You answered my end question just with that slogan and that explanation, because I always ask people, if you were to write a letter and or email to yourself now, thinking about you prior when all this stuff was happening to you, what saved mm -hmm. you? And that's a great answer. Yes. You know, whatever you would add to that, the end statement would be, but we are still here. Yes, that's right. I want to thank you, Coach Joy, so much because again, we can just continue to go on and on. We're going to definitely be networking and partnering on some mental health stuff and some awesome. other things dealing with these podcasts. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell people a couple of ways that they can get in touch with you. On the video portion, the people will see not only the logo, I have your LinkedIn. Yes, I see that. On the <laughs> and I have your um, Instagram page mm -hmm. up on the screen. So for those that or listening, you need to watch the video. You need to watch the video portion as well. Do both if you want to. If you got the time, you can be sitting there ironing clothes or or cleaning up or whatever. But we definitely want you to, to check out Coach Joy. She's a lovely young lady who was very intelligent, very focused on helping us get back to our humanity. Yes, 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 yes. Is there any other ways that people can reach you besides your, your link tree and your Instagram? Um, well, I, I do have um, a Facebook, but the main way is with the link tree. Um, I really don't answer too many uh, messages from Facebook. So 
uh, it's just so much junk mail going around in, in Facebook world. Yeah. Um, so, but I definitely will look at my Instagram DM messages. I'll look at those. Um, but I do prefer for people to reach out to me through my link tree. That way you can go on my website and check out the website. You can email me. You can book a free consultation where I'll speak to you for about 15 minutes or so and just kind of discuss things with you and see if we're a good fit, because I think that's very important. If you don't feel comfortable with someone, then I don't think the fit is for you. Um, So I definitely like to do that as well. But the main way is through my link tree and you can find me on Instagram. I will look at my DM messages on Instagram as well. Coach Joy, you're always welcome to come back to the Trigger One Talk Podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for all the work that you do. And I want to wish you peace and blessings be upon you. I love the Instagram pictures of you and your son hanging out at the park. Uh, I was was feeling envious because I saw the barbecue (laughs) and shrimp and all the other meats that were on the grill. I'm like, man. Uh, and people on bikes on the trail and yeah i'm trying to envision how this shrimp and this food is moving. you know because we were going to do your interview yesterday and you're like i need to hang out with my son. yes like, yes absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like you know have fun for me you know so yeah thank you so much for coming on to the platform we're going to switch over to our final portion of the show where we talk about a missing person case so again always come back peace and blessings my heart goes out to you you. i know it's hard dealing with some of these patients but you got the strength the courage and wisdom to do so so thank you thank you have a great day i appreciate everything um i'm so happy to be a part of your podcast thank you for your platform i i love the work that you do i think it's awesome um the more we can spread it the the better um and uh thank you so much thank you for letting me come back today and um spend that time with my son You know, Ooh, these, these yes. teenagers, yeah. it's hard to book time with them. Um, right. <laughs> so <laughs> when he gave me the offer, I was like, I don't want to pass this up, you know. But um, I appreciate your time and your platform. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. All right, so we're going to talk about a missing person case that I want to share with you all. And again, every episode of the Trigger One and Talk podcast, we cover a missing person case for a black and brown man, woman, and child. This current case right now is regarding a young lady. Her name is Marilyn Renee Nicole McCow. Marilyn Renee Nicole McCow. She's been missing since June 22nd, 2001. She's missing from Richmond, Indiana. The classification is endangered, missing, sex is female, race black, date of birth, January 6th, 1973, which means she's 49 years old. She is 28 years of age or at the time that she was missing. And her height and weight is 5'2", five, 5'2", two, five two inches, 115 pounds. Last seen wearing a bright pink and purple floral swimsuit top, 
dark colored shorts, diamond earrings, and a white gold bracelet. Associated vehicles are a 1990 GMC Jimmy 4x4 that's been accounted for. Distinguishing characteristics, African-American female, light brown hair, brown eyes. McCowan's nickname is Nikwa. Nikwi, N-I-Q-U-I. I'm sorry if I'm jacking that up. She has a small scar above her left eye, a small scar on the right side of her face, a scar on the top of her head, and a large scar on her left lower leg. There are a bunch of pictures that are on the screen right now for those that will be watching this video portion of the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. This information comes from an organization called The Charlie Project, C-H-A-R-L-E-Y, The Charlie Project. Their website is charlieproject.org. I will list her information, which is the link to this case in the description, as well as the resources that we always talk about. If you have been triggered, there is a bunch of emergency phone numbers and other resources for mental health that you can call and contact as well as websites. Marilyn Renee Nicole McCown. Remember her name. I want to thank everybody for joining the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. As usual, we talk about uncomfortable conversations. We have uncensored conversations, exchanging information and providing resources. I'm your host, LP. Until next time, peace and blessings be upon you and your family forevermore. Thank you.